and welcome to the Creative Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Van Doren, and in this podcast, I talk with some of the most creative and inspiring people that I know. From hearing about their process to what holds them back from creating, routines and rituals, to the intersection between creativity and spirituality, you'll hear from writers, actors, singers, dancers, musicians, painters, multi-passionate creatives, and anyone else who considers themselves a creative soul. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Creative Soul Podcast. Before we get started on today's episode and introducing my amazing guest, I just wanna share a couple of life updates. If you follow me on Instagram or you're part of my newsletter, you'll know that I am now diving into my business full-time. So last year I had a full-time job. I was juggling multiple part-time jobs while also launching this podcast, working on my business, leading creativity circles and my writing magic workshops and trying to keep up with it all. And I realized that I was spreading myself way too thin. And if I wanted to be successful at the thing that I cared most about, which is this business and being a thought leader in creativity and spirituality and helping people move through their creative blocks and finding a creative practice and finding joy in their creativity again, then I knew that something had to go. And the universe was working in my favor as it always is and I got furloughed from my full-time job. So I'm taking this time as an opportunity to really dive 1000% into my business. And so I just wanted to give you that short update if you wanna hear more about it and more about what I'm planning, because now that I have time and energy to focus fully on my business, I'm planning a lot of really fun things, including a new workshop centered around the creative process that will launch sometime in March so if you're interested in any of that, make sure to either follow me on Instagram, which we have an update. I've changed my Instagram handle from The Modern Mermaid to Leia Van Doren, just changing it back to my name, keeping it really simple. So now you can find me on Instagram at Leia Van Doren, L-E-Y-A-V-A-N-D-O-R-E-N. And if you go there, you can find my newsletter, which I will be sending out weekly to get all of the updates. And I'll also update you all on the podcast week to week. So just wanted to give a quick little update there before introducing you to my guest, Daniela Aldrich. So before I tell you about Daniela and what she does, I need to tell you that Daniela and I have actually known each other since we were babies, which is so special. If you don't know, I grew up in Pennsylvania and then when I was 13 years old, my family and I moved across country to California and Daniela and I were part of like the same, our families were part of the same circle. My mom had a music studio that Daniela and her sisters took classes in. And we all took ballet lessons at a very famous studio called Central Pennsylvania Youth Ballet. And I just took classes like for a couple years, but Daniela actually became a professional dancer. I love this episode because Daniela has such a unique story. I think I grew up in a very like insular world of 
people dedicating their life to the performing arts. And I didn't realize that for a lot of people, that's like not a normal thing because my parents are both professional musicians. If you heard my episode with my sister, Yulia, who's an opera singer, professional opera singer, that was kind of our world. And we saw what it took to dedicate your life to the performing arts. I had sisters who played violin and who would practice 10 hours every single day. And also in this little town that we lived in, there was a ballet school that trained dancers to become professional dancers. So Daniela was training at this school and then from the age of 16, she was training and performing with the New York City Ballet, which in the ballet world is like the top of the top. She's incredible. I remember seeing her dance as a child and she was like known in our town as like being the ballet star. So I think this episode gives you a really amazing insight onto what it's like to be a professional artist as a child and what that means going into adulthood and talking about perfectionism and how perfectionism can be the enemy of creativity. And I think it just offers a really unique perspective on you know what it's like to sacrifice and dedicate everything to your craft and how sometimes in the performing arts world things can get a little toxic and I think that's a side that not many people talk about. I know that I experienced it in the theater world. I know that you know my sisters have experienced it in the classical music world. I know other people have experienced it in the dance world and so on and so it's just an interesting look on the arts and kind of thinking about the difference between the arts and creativity. And I think creativity is something that anyone can do and is something that brings joy and letting go of all those things. But we can also see on the flip side how when you place all these pressures on yourself to be perfect, to perform for other people, you know, there are some interesting things that come up. So I want to really honor Daniela for sharing her story with us because it's a very vulnerable story. I know I mentioned this in the episode too, but I was inspired to interview Daniela about her story after watching On Point on Disney Plus, which is a TV show that it's like a reality TV show that follows the life of students living and studying and breathing, eating, drinking ballet 24-7 at the New York City Ballet at School of American Ballet, which is where Daniela went when she was 16. So she's basically a character on On Point. So when you listen to this episode, if you want to get a deeper insight into what that life looks like, definitely watch Disney Plus's On Point. I will also put that in the show notes. But a little bit more about Daniela. She is a ballet dancer turned farmer living in Boston, Massachusetts. After walking away from the professional dance world and finding farming in college, she hopes to find ways to bring the two together and share their numerous parallels with others, while dedicating her life to growing the sweetest carrots anyone has ever tasted. Daniela credits being able to press restart on her personal creativity journey to Leia and the creative soul. So beautiful. So without further ado, here's Daniela. Well, hello, Daniela. Thank you for coming on the Creative Soul podcast. Thanks for having me. So the first question I ask everyone is, what is currently fueling your creative soul? Hmm. Well, you are, Leia. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely, definitely. My friends fuel my creative soul because I feel incredibly lucky to have not only friends that are great people and friends, but that are incredible artists and, and creative souls, especially because a lot of my old friends and best friends are from the ballet world and 
So they're kind of off doing their own creative ventures, a lot having to do with dance and other visual art. And I really want to emphasize that your journey through Modern Mermaid and the creative soul, I feel like it absolutely awakened my own like journey back into the being creative because I had definitely I feel like turned my back on that or kind of shut off my creative self after I stopped dancing Mm. and then I started you know you were saying these things and I was like oh I I'm still creative I can still be a creative even though I'm not a professional dancer anymore and that has really kind of refueled me to get back to being creative and in recognizing my creativity Mm, oh thank you for saying that first of all that just like makes me so happy that's that's like the re you know you do these things and you don't know like who's listening who's paying attention or if you're impacting anyone and then just to hear that like you know, kind of again, re-inspires and refuels me. And I'm really glad you said about like not being a professional dancer anymore and like then not giving yourself that permission to be creative. But I'm so curious for people who don't know, will you take us through like who you are, what I guess who you've been and what you did. And I really want to get into like talking about that whole world because I feel like it's a world that not a lot of people know about. Sure. Yeah. So you and I both grew up in Carlisle (laughs) as our early childhood. And I started dancing ballet at the age of six at Central Pennsylvania Youth Ballet, which is actually a really well-known, reputable ballet school. And, you know, it's just right in Central Pennsylvania. So I started going there and immediately fell in love with ballet and with performing and luckily CPYB puts on like four shows or more a year so I was always performing I always had that opportunity and then when I was 13 I spent a year in Madrid because my dad is a professor and he had to teach abroad in Spain so I spent a year studying ballet in Madrid and then I came back to Carlisle and then when I was 16 I went to New York City and I was a student at the School of American Ballet and I was there until I was 18. I graduated high school and then was accepted to be an apprentice at New York City Ballet and so I was an apprentice there for two years and then I stopped dancing. I was like I've had enough I can't do this. And I think it's, there's like a lot of external and internal factors that went Mm -hmm. into that. But I think that it was a mix of, I had only ever known myself or I decided when I was 10 years old, I'm going to go to New York City. I'm going to be a principal dancer with New York City Ballet. I am going to, you know, be this great artist. I think we've talked about you know, that dream of we're both from this little town. And now I, I love Carlisle. I appreciate it so much more. But growing up, I was like, oh, this town doesn't get me. 
I have to go be this dancer in New York City ballet. And then I got there and I really didn't, I felt like I was supposed to meet my people, my fellow creatives in the company, especially. And I just wasn't a fit. And so that mixed in with like trying to find my identity outside of dancing was really hard. And at the end of my apprenticeship, I didn't get a core contract with New York City Ballet. And then I went through a season of auditions and I was going to companies all over, taking company class and doing open auditions too. And with every day, it was just, I was getting further and further away from who I was. And then of course you have the things like with ballet and going through puberty, your body's fluctuating, you have acne and you're spending 12 hours a day staring at yourself in the mirror. And I like couldn't bear the sight and all of these things that I just got to the point where I had to stop. I had to quit. I wanted to go home and start over. That's literally, I was just like, I just need, I don't recognize myself. I can't bear to look at myself in the mirror and ask myself who I am. I need to go home and start over. And so that's what I did. I stopped ballet, I went to school. And just to give like you a little bit of perspective into how that was kind of, how that dramatic that seemed in the moment. One, I was talking to a director of a company who I had auditioned for and we had a pretty friendly relationship and I had auditioned for the company previously and gotten in. And then this time around, he was like, I just don't have space for you now. He was like, but don't, but you know, whatever, what are you going to do now? And this was at the end of the audition season. And I was so like, you know, just torn down. I was like, you know what? I think I'm just going to go to school. I really don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) And he was like, ugh, you don't have to be so dramatic. You don't have to go to school. (laughs) And I was like, and that confirms it. I need to get out of here. (laughs) Um, So I went to Dickinson College in in Carlisle and I studied environmental studies and I took a few ballet lessons one semester I, I did ballet but I was just really like all right I am a college student I'm figuring myself out I barely talked about ballet you know I threw away all of my ballet stuff only to find out a few years later that my mom had actually like salvaged everything <laughs> or oh a few things God. and put it in a box. <laughs> And then I started working in with environmental studies. I was just like really loving it. And the Dickinson College Farm has employment opportunities for students. And I started working at the farm after my junior year that I had spent in Brazil for my study abroad. And I felt like I was starting to come alive again. And then I spent the summer working at the Dickinson Farm And all of a sudden, I felt like my body awakened again. And I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't felt this grounded and comfortable, happy in my own body in so long. And and so I kind of held strong to that feeling. And then after I graduated, 
was working at a farm in central Massachusetts and now I'm doing like urban gardening and I'm a farmer educator in Boston. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. First of all, this story, there's so many like pieces and parts to this story, but I think it's such a beautiful example of like, you know, like we've talked about like being young and having this dream and then kind of getting there and like this breaking point of a perceived failure in a way and like how hard that must have been to make that choice to not continue on, especially when you've like spent, dedicated your entire life to pursuing this thing. And so what, like, what was it about that breaking point for you that you were just like, no more, I can't do this anymore. Was it really because like, I guess, was it a gradual losing yourself in it all? Or like, were you seeing that start to like chip away throughout the years? Yeah, definitely. It definitely was a failure or perceived failure for me, for sure. And it was definitely like gradual, Mm -hmm. I think, especially just, I feel like when you want something so bad, you get tunnel vision Mm -hmm. and you stop listening to yourself and like the signs that are coming at you like hey like you can do this or like you still have so many options like maybe you've changed a little do you know maybe go five degrees to the left or whatever and you're just like no 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 I decided this was my destiny (laughs) I'm gonna keep going and whenever you reach it you're like wait a minute this isn't me anymore like this actually isn't this is what I wanted at one point but why am I even here like this isn't this doesn't fit at all and I think that was definitely happening especially because with ballet at least with my experience I was dancing seven days a week from the time I was seven years old to 16 and that was the only thing that I was doing. The only thing I was exploring was ballet. And, you know, as a teenager, I was extremely angsty, you know, and (laughs) had so many hormones, but emotions that I felt I needed to express. And I could only, I only had the time really to put all that energy into ballet. And I really think that something that was once like filling my cup and nourishing me so much and making me feel so happy was really just, it just started to tear me down, to drain me. And then it became this thing of, well, I need to do this because I need to prove that I can, Mm. that I can make it in New York. And there was this thing at, at CPYB. And for me, you know, I was definitely getting messages from, like signals from ballet teachers. New York is the place for the best dancers. Oh, but you won't make it there. So you, you say that to a 14-year-old. And what are they going to do? They're going to say, oh, no, I'm going to go there. <laughs> right. I'm going to prove you wrong. So it kind of just became like this thing in a teenager's mind that was just everything. Wow. Okay. So again, there's so many things in this. And I, so over the, a couple weeks ago, I watched the entire series of On Point on Disney+. Yeah. And it chronicles, for those of you who don't know On Point, you should check it out after this episode because it chronicles like students living at School of American Ballet and all of them, you know, the big dream is to be an apprentice at New York City Ballet and like they work so hard, they're so dedicated to their craft. And it's just a fascinating show on like the look of 
And I think that this is something that we don't see a lot of like young. And I think the only example that I've really seen this in my life is like people in ballet or like the performing arts where they're like super dedicated to a craft at a young age and like they sacrifice everything for that craft and watching the show it makes you feel like wow I wish I had something that I loved that much that I would like dedicate everything to it but then on the flip side of that it's like what's a healthy obsession and Mm -hmm. what is like you going too far off the deep end and like not not being able to be like a normal teenager and not, and like these kids, and I know that you have this experience. I mean, you moved to New York city by yourself when you were 16, like leaving your family at a young age. And like, I don't So like, what was that like for you? And especially being in an environment where everyone around you is like also so dedicated to their craft and like obsessed. And was that, I mean, obviously it wasn't healthy for you at the end, but like, what was that like being in that environment? Well, just I haven't watched the series because I'm like I don't know if I'm ready (laughs) yeah but yeah I mean I was in the dorms 16 to 18 with 60 students aged 14 to 19 all going to school of American ballet all having the same dreams of being in New York City ballet and so in the one building you're living you're sleeping uh you're eating all of your meals, you're taking all of your ballet lessons, and you're either going to school, like cyber schooled or homeschooled, or you've already finished school early, so you can dedicate your whole time to this, or you're going to school at high schools that are literally like either two or four blocks away. (laughs) So your life is so concentrated and again it's just so mentally intense on top of physically but really for me at least and I think for most everyone it's just the mental fatigue and endurance that you're going through as a teenager in New York City you know with these grand dreams of your destiny as an artist so that was really difficult and I I don't think it's the healthiest And of course, you have people and faculty and staff trying to make it as healthy as possible. And it is a beautiful thing to have this, some can say vocation or passion and to really strive for this perfection every day and, and this art form, this craft. But I definitely did not handle it in a healthy way. And I had to walk away from it for sure. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder like, Cause yeah, I just, you don't see like, even when we were watching it, it's like, you just don't see people like dedicating that much to their craft. And it's, it's like a practice where you're learning such lessons within it because, you know, you are striving for that perfection and like you are working every day and there's always something to work on. And so I wonder if like, has there been anything else in your life where you can see like something? Cause I, I guess for me, I'm like, I don't even know if I have like, the stamina or like if I even have that drive to be able to be so dedicated to one thing yeah and I'm like I don't know I just wonder like is is there something else that you felt that towards or if you're like if that's just something like when you're so involved with something like is that just too much and you need to maybe not be in classes seven days a week like maybe Mm -hmm. you should be in class like five days or like is is there is it possible to have like a healthy balance and then also kind of get to to 
to the point where people are in their careers or is like, is it this monster that we've all created together? Because we're like, no, the standard is you have to be in class seven days a week working on your craft 24 seven. And if you're not doing that, you'll never make it. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder like, is it the culture? I don't know. Is it us, the humans that are like, well, maybe we're just not working hard enough. Cause I know for me, one of my blocks is like, I always think I'm not doing enough and I always think I'm not working hard enough. So then I'm like, well, if I'm, I was in an environment like that, maybe I would finally feel like I was doing enough. And maybe mm-hmm. I would like being in that like mental, physical, emotional, like workout and like being so in my craft every day, maybe then I would finally feel like, yes, I've done it. I'm doing enough. Or are we all just setting up this unhealthy standard? And like, does that need to change? Yeah. Great question. <laughs> I know. I, I don't know. And I will, I, I, you know, I wish I could say this was a great experience and I learned so much and I came through it. And, and I do have a lot of friends that either that ha- are still dancing that went through it, like, you know, SAB and my friend Jordan was an apprentice with me and we suffered through our apprenticeship together. And now she co-founded this really badass company and she's a dancer in New York and she's, incredible and her company is incredible and then there are other people in New York City Ballet and other professional ballet companies that are very successful and happy I would I think but for me I definitely think that it was not healthy because I for me it was so tunnel vision. I could have no perspective on my craft on, you know, it was really toxic or I don't know if that's the right word that I couldn't, you know, it's like whenever the thing that you love is your, your way to escapism and, and self-expression. And then it's like, you're only ever in that space. Mm. Like then where do you go to escape from that? (laughs) I was like, you know, ballet was my haven. And now it's just, I'm like drowning in my haven. <laughs> What's going on? Hmm. I may, I think to that in certain art spaces, like ballet for sure, it takes a specific kind of personality, like perfectionist, <laughs> you know, really you have to be able to take all of the repetitiveness and the, claustrophobic atmosphere having basically four mirrors around you it's incredibly competitive and all that too you know when your love and passion is also we are all competing Mm. is a really weird environment or atmosphere and all of your best friends are also your greatest competition So I don't, I don't know if it's like a little, every, perhaps every craft has its own unique challenges. And I think ballet is very much like that. So yeah, like if I had a daughter, I don't think I would, I I would want her to do ballet the way I did. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) Wow. I mean, yeah, I like what you said too, about like your, if when it's everything, then, you know, there comes a point where it's like, if it's also your escape, then like, where do you go to escape? And like, I don't know, there's just so many parallels to that. And like, I don't know, kind of like abusive, toxic relationships. And I, it's such an interesting experience to have your art. So, you know, something that you fell in love with in the first place, because you love doing it. And then it turning into this like crazy thing. And I wonder, 
you know, when you left the ballet world and you're talking about how you went to college and you didn't even tell people that, you know, you were a ballerina, which again, had been such a part yeah. of your identity and such a part of your life. So what, what was that experience like of healing from it? And like, do you feel like you've healed from it and then be like refiguring out your identity and like, how did you kind of, again, like I know that you found farming and um, sustainability and all that, that like reawakened that, but like, what was that process like? Cause I, I imagine that must've been so hard. I'm trying to think back. Cause I feel like I don't talk about this or think about this too much, but I remember just kind of how weird and unhealthy my relationship was with myself. Mm. I, of course, after I stopped dancing, I took a summer of just like, I don't even know what I was doing. I I can't even remember it, but I was home and I gained weight and I went to school and I was like, I can't tell people I was a professional ballet dancer. They would never believe me. I don't look Mm. like a professional ballet dancer. And I'm just like, oh my God, Daniela, you know, what the hell girl? (laughs) But yeah, I think that was actually like a factor and also I was just reeling in like self-shame mm. because I had failed <laughs> like the ultimate failure in my mind or in my 15 year old self's mind mm. and you know because I, I had I have such a supportive family and you know my parents were so supportive that I felt bad that I had fit, you know, I felt like I had failed them, but they were so supportive of my stopping ballet too. I just wanted to outwardly, you know, present like everything's fine. I'm definitely healed from this little glitch. Mm. So I think that there was a, a very decide, like decided or a very significant phase of denial Mm. where I was like yeah of course I'm healed I'm in college I'm gonna do great ballet what was that you know I wanted to like purge it from my memory and then I think just over time I was you know having conversations with my friends became easier to talk about ballet and I think we all kind of started to do better (laughs) Mm. and kind of heal in our own ways individually but together so we were able to talk about it a little more you know my friends from SAB we all had like our own individual journeys through it I I honestly really loved college and then of course like talking you know I would it's funny I would talk about ballet and my training and my career with my new friends and I would be like oh yeah like that was pretty cool that I did that And it was just a totally different perspective that instead of being like, oh my gosh, like you don't have perfect extension and beautifully hyperextended legs and like the longest neck ever, who even are you? (laughs) From going from like that perspective to like, what? (laughs) You were living in Madrid at 13 by yourself just so you could train ballet? Or like, oh, you were at the School of American Ballet, like you lived at Lincoln Center and you're like, oh yeah. And then really, I I have to say like my year in Brazil was very just, I, I have to say like transformative 
and just my perspective on so many different things widened incredibly and I, I was I started to farm more and have farming experiences there and then I came back to really to really try it at the Dickinson farm and I just like I felt it in my body it was very visceral and as someone who totally gets stuck in my own mind and is just like can get lost and make up so many different things in my head ballet and dance was something that I could just like escape from my own self and just be in my body (laughs) and it was so great and in farming I felt that again and you know you're on an incredible you have there's beauty all around you and you yourself there's you're not part I mean you are part of that but you're not thinking I have to be beautiful you're just like look at this beauty around me like how could anything be not beautiful I'm literally crying wow yeah Oh my god, this is the first time I've cried in an interview. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Oh. I knew that I would cry at some point, but somehow <laughs> it's, it's it's talking about how vegetables are beautiful. <laughs> That's amazing. And and yeah, what a different perspective of like, I mean, I you said this so beautifully about like you know, ballet giving you one perspective, but then it getting you out of your mind and into the body. Cause I think that's, you know, why we create, that's why we do art because it is that like, you know, getting yourself out of yourself and like being fully immersed in the moment. And then like, but the difference, and I think what can become toxic about like performing arts, ballet, theater, musical theater, like whatever it is, it's like, you're it's still coming from like an egoic perspective because it's about you and it's about Mm -hmm. like you know this perspective of like you being on stage and being a star and having all of these thousands of eyes looking at you and I think that's when it can kind of become a like toxic thing for people I know that like I've experienced that I know that friends in my in the performing arts that I talk to you have experienced that so like then to discover farming and to find the beauty in the natural world. Talk more about that because that is so cool. (laughs) Well, okay, so here we go again. And bear with me because I don't think I've actually ever said this out loud. Sometimes I feel like there's this parallel between how I felt dancing and how I feel farming because, here we go, bear with me. Sometimes when I danced, I felt like to your point of you know it being about you and so many eyes on you and I don't know if you've ever experienced this performing I felt sometimes like I could get into this feeling when I was on stage and this is what I loved so much about dancing that you are just so immersed in the moment in the music in the movement that it almost like your physical limitations disappear and you are like transparent and it's just, it's not your body, but it's the movement and the dance, the music and you're disappearing and it's something greater than you is being shared like on stage with the audience. But when I am farming sometimes, it's just like, the repetition, the technique, the routine of doing it again and again allows you to again have your like physical limitations disappear and it just becomes this incredible like flow 
of what you're doing. And then all of a sudden you have these incredible fruits of the earth, (laughs) these vegetables that you get to share with people. And it's like their most basic need food to nourish them and and they do sometimes like appear like you know magic (laughs) it's like there's magical gifts and that the labor behind all of that and the planning and the dirt and the sweat you don't see that in the vegetables but it's there but I don't know having a part in all of that just feels kind of like that moment where like my physical body disappeared and it just became something so much greater I don't know if that's like totally too much but (laughs) I mean no it 100% makes sense because you don't see all the like just like in ballet when you're rehearsing every day you're in class every day and then you have that moment where you're performing it's like just you know when a carrot is growing from the ground you don't see all the labor that it took you don't (laughs) see like the process you know and you just get the like the fruits of the process and that's when you're kind of and again when you're working on it and like being in that discipline and that practice then it's like you're in flow because you're in the moment and you're like engaged in the creative activity which can be found through anything right it doesn't have to be dancing it doesn't have to be farming it's literally walking singing my mom always says something hilarious actually you would appreciate this because you kind of know my mom but Mm -hmm. she always is like and again kind of talking about like how artists and like I feel like sometimes artists can be super in their like ego because it's like, oh, well, it's about me. It's about like, I'm an artist because I'm, mm-hmm. I, I'm like a, the chosen one. I was born to dance. I'm the special one. Yeah. My mom is always like, a plumber does the same thing. Like a plumber is no better than an artist. Yeah. A plumber, like, is it the plumber's calling to clean toilets? Like, no, but a plumber can like still go into flow state while cleaning a toilet because it doesn't actually matter what you're doing Mm -hmm. it matters like your mindset and like being in service and like engaging in a mindful activity I wonder if there's one thing that you learned from you know growing up in this super intense disciplined ballet world and like what is one thing or like a few things that you've learned that you now carry with you in whatever else you're doing? Yeah, definitely. Let's see. Well, something that I'm still working on, but definitely have learned from growing up in ballet and just like my own self getting to really reckon with myself is just perfectionism is the enemy of everything. (laughs) And that's something that honestly, the modern mermaid was like totally helpful for me in getting myself to like be creative again and just sit down and sketch and write because I remember you were saying that like the your own self judgment prevents you from starting. And that's totally me. And I feel like it was because, you know, with ballet, it was the standard of perfection. Mm -hmm. And you worked on it and worked on it until it was perfect and nothing below that was acceptable. And you would be the first person to let you know, but then everyone around you would let you know. And so like, I and I used to love as a teenager to like, I wrote really bad but passionate poetry and (laughs) and painted and whatnot and it just for like a few years there I was just terrified of it and I 
was like devoid of all creativity mm-hmm. almost for myself because I just didn't want to stare at something that I had produced that wasn't perfect. Mm. And so I'm still working on that, but I think I've gotten a lot better at just not being a perfectionist, you know, just like trying, just getting it done. And yeah, I just think that I've definitely learned through ballet and everything to just try and you know you can always build on something and also to not be afraid of change within yourself because yeah that was something I really a conversation I really needed to have with my (laughs) 16 year old self 18 year old self of like you've changed and that's okay yeah you don't have the same dreams as you did when you were six years old and that's like that's good and I you said this at the beginning too but like you know, to, to get to that breaking point, it was because you felt like you weren't listening to those signs of like you along your path of like, maybe this isn't it anymore, but because, you know, you were so determined to fulfill this dream that like it ended up, you know, needing to blow up in your face so that you could learn that lesson, which is a good, I think a reminder for all of us that it's like, yeah, being allowed to change. And I I know that like you and I have spoke about this too, because I kind of have the same thing for myself where there is that like fear of failure or like perceived failure of like, but if I give up now, does that mean that I'm a failure or is it like, no, I'm allowed to shift into something bigger and better for me, not for what everyone else is doing or like whatever. Cause it, at the end of the day, it's just like your life is about your happiness. And you are the only one that cares. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody cares. <laughs> that, yeah, that's such a good point. You're the only one that it really affects. So you might as well do yeah. it. Yeah. Like, it's just such a different perspective. Cause I think a lot of people might maybe like have this dream, but then it's kind of like the reverse dream effect when it's like, you've done it. You were a professional dancer. Like how many people wish that they could say that, but now it's like, you have this perspective of being a professional dancer and being like, yeah, it wasn't for me. doesn't mean that it's not for anyone else, but like yeah. finding that in your own stuff. Have you found like any other practices? Like I know you said you were sketching or writing poetry or doing yoga or anything like that. Do you, and besides farming too, but like, do you find that there are other hobbies or something that when you want to like escape or relax or any of those things that we talked about, like things that you do that kind of get you back into that mindset. I really love yoga. And yeah, I thought you would. I didn't know if I was like, I feel like Daniela probably does yoga. (laughs) Yes. It just feels so good Mm -hmm. to me because you're like stretching and strengthening at the same time. And oh, yeah, I, I love it. And so I'm trying to keep up a consistent practice mm. for sure. And another thing that I really have to credit my sisters for is I've started to get better and more creative at cooking. And especially because I have in the summer, especially like incredible produce at my disposal. And I've found that that's a really can be incredibly creative and fulfilling too. So I do really love that. And I'm trying to also have more consistent practice of of cooking. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Getting creative in the kitchen is like definitely, definitely one of those things that I don't know, it's just so fun. And like, you can do it every day because you have to eat every day. And so that's definitely 
something that I also want to get into more. And it's also definitely like we were talking about healing earlier has been surprisingly healing and like has exposed to me just how terrible my relationship with food was. Mm. And so I feel like in these different practices and different creative outlets, it's like bringing stuff up that I had definitely repressed. And it's like, Mm. oh, I can like heal this thing that I didn't even know that I had to heal. Oh, that's such a, yeah, that's such a good point. Cause I'm super passionate about like creativity as healing. And what an interesting thing to point out that like it, in engaging in a creative practice again, whether that's cooking or something else, it brings up those things that you're like, oh, this is something I need to look at. This is something that has still been within me that like is bubbling up again to be healed. And how can I like redefine my relationship to all these things that, you know, because of this experience. Totally. Wait, that's a question for you. Cause I'm, I'm always like really curious about this with creatives. And I know you are a writer and you write a lot like whenever you go to write do you always kind of have in the back of your mind what you're going to write about or do you just start writing and then you're like oh my gosh I had no idea (laughs) yes wait I love that you asked this because yeah for me it's I never know what I'm gonna write about I just start writing and like that's my favorite thing about writing because it does bring up so much and like you can go down so many different paths And like when you just start writing about something and then some like one moment you're writing about like glue and then you're writing about like this experience you had as a child (laughs) and like what it made you feel. And it's so cool to watch where like where you want to go, because I think that's something that I'm really passionate about, about like instead of having this thing in mind, like, well, today I'm going to write about this because I want to figure out this. It's like, Mm -hmm. no, let me just see like where where I want to be met and like what what wants to come through me right now because I trust that whatever is coming through me right now is like what was meant to be looked at or like to be healed or or Mm -hmm. to be transformed or whatever it is and so I always find it really interesting like what comes out because it's always something I don't expect yeah yeah I love cool I, one of my last questions for you is I love sharing creative resources and like things that you're reading, watching, taking dance. I know you already mentioned some of your friends stuff that we'll definitely put in the show notes, but are there other things that is inspiring you lately? Mm -hmm. Well, thanks to you again, my copy of The Artist's Way just came. (laughs) Oh, good. Oh, I'm so glad we're doing that. Yeah. And so I'm I I read the introduction and I'm looking forward to it. I'm a little, like, she keeps on saying that it's for everyone, but, (laughs) but that everyone who's done it, like, is a famous playwright. And I'm like, I don't think that's going to happen. I love that. No, no, no. I, it will, you'll go on your own journey with it. So yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you're doing that. Anything else? Well, I have to say Jordan's company Converge Dance is incredible and they did some amazing stuff in 2020 kind of adapting the way that they perform virtually of course because of the pandemic and then the way that they held space for our reckoning with Mm. our racism in our country still and bringing in dancers more dancers and more artists and holding space for them 
to express what they want they needed to in relation to that has honestly like I think was incredible and I think another creative resource is the fat salt acid heat cookbook oh oh my gosh okay I've heard good things about that yeah wow Samin Nasrat is amazing and she also has there's a show on Netflix Fat Salt Acid Heat that is she is like an, she is an artist wow. yeah and her podcast with Rishi Hiraway is incredible it's called Home Cooking it will definitely get you I think more creative and more consistent in the kitchen because she is just incredible and so is Rishi on the on the podcast oh I love that yeah I'll definitely check those out and put those in the notes and then my last question is where like what's next for you are you following this path of economic farming and like all that stuff like what what are you most passionate about now yeah I definitely want to keep going with farming and education because it just feels so good in my body and there's just so much in like the food space so many ways that we need to get creative to solve all these issues in the food system and also farming just feels so incredible and I really, I'm going to try to keep on finding ways to connect farming and dancing and performing arts, really. So I don't know how, you know, but I that's kind of like a vision I have or a long-term goal. Oh my gosh, I love that. And that that's so beautiful. And just the story of that is like so incredible to me of like, just thinking about your trajectory and where life has taken you. And then to be able to like, bring farming and connect it back to dance and I don't know maybe teach kids or tour shows or something that kind of relates the two like that would be such a cool project to do yeah I I I can totally see you doing that (laughs) I I just feel like I appreciate the art so much more Mm. not being a professional artist (laughs) so yeah yeah I'll have to write some things down flush out some ideas yes oh my gosh well keep us posted I love that so much well thank you so much Daniela this has been amazing and your story is just so inspiring and I can't wait to see all the amazing things that you do I hope you enjoyed this episode of the creative soul podcast and thank you so much for listening if you liked this podcast please feel free to send it to a friend and tell them what inspired you Or feel free to connect with me over on Instagram at the underscore modern mermaid with your thoughts. And if you would be so kind to rate and review the podcast, I would love to gift you my guided writing meditation that will help you connect deeper to yourself, your creativity, and your spirituality. Just take a screenshot of the review and send it my way at the underscore modern mermaid and I will send over the meditation. Stay inspired, stay creative, and keep shining your creative soul.